Hey everybody, welcome to the Big Monday Show. My name is Charles Simon, and I host the Big Monday Show with my partner, my compatriot, Mr. Barry Spears, who will be with us as soon as our little commercial break is over. Following this wonderful lead-in for today's show, we uh, we have a ton of stakes action to talk about. The Breeders' Cup preps are winding up. Uh, we had three major preps for the Classic, and Barry and I have compiled lists. We have a list uh, of our top nine contenders for the Classic. Not a lot of surprises there, but um, I think we'll be doing this every week, putting a couple lists together, and uh, once we get through this weekend at Keeneland coming up, we'll have a really good idea of, of who's going to go where and what Europeans are going to come over and, uh, you know, have a little fun with that. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what happened at Gulfstream this past weekend with Gulfstream conducting some out-of-competition testing, and I wrote about it and got a lot of, uh, lot of, a lot of attention from that. The people, it, it's something that people are um, are interested in and, and you know, kind of give you my take on that. Uh, as well as some uh, some news that came out this afternoon about uh, two of the individuals that were um, caught with the out-of-competition testing having more information coming out. We'll talk about that and uh, eh, a couple other things. Grants Pass, by the way, bet Grants Pass. Support my man Jason Beam, the Beamy. Um, it's just the right thing to do. All right, we'll be back in just one second with the sniper. Hello, uh, Mister Mister Sniper. <laughs> just Mister, huh? Just Mister. <laughs> Sign of respect. It's like the respect that uh, Nick's go got on the lead the other day. Uh, what do you mean? Just, just not Nick's Nick, Nick's go. Everybody. <laughs> I swear yeah, to God, like yeah. every other race was won in that fashion. Well, Boring. it's uh, it's funny because you text, you sent me a text early in the day about that, and it basically came true. I mean, it's uh, something that we've we've all talked about a lot in the last few years. That just is this lack of aggression, um, especially taking on horses who are favorites, and it's it's um, for a lack of a better term, it, it is what it is. You know, it's, yeah, it's what it, we're expecting. It's frustrating, you know, because you would think at some point somebody would get fed up and be like, "We can't just let this guy get an easy lead and beat us just like all the time." Try something different. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, a lot of it is, is because of the game has shrunk at the top. Yeah. There's a, a handful of people that have most of the good horses. There's a handful of jockeys that ride them. And as such, there's um, <laughs> a, a lot of, not an official conflict of interest, but really close. <laughs> for a jockey that might want to ride for the people that he might not want to torture their horse. Um, it's, it's, it's a factor and, you know, that's, it, it is what it is because it's not going to probably change anytime no. soon, but, um, it does kind of 
make for dull races, especially when you have prohibitive favorites. And I'm not suggesting that people just gun against four to five shot because, uh, you know, just just for the hell of it. But it's when people take when guys take horses that have speed, and in some cases might actually seem like they're faster than the other horse, and they take them back, and it kind of, uh, well. We've got, we've got a lot of stuff to cover tonight. So. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that another time. Yeah, no doubt about <laughs> it. After the Breeders' Cup. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Breeders' Cup is the one race where where they race. You know, the Breeders' Cup is the one race. Like last year, Jackie's Warrior wasn't handed a lead in the juvenile, and you saw what happened. Um, and and listen, to be fair, he he had the, a, a relatively easy lead at Oaklawn in, in his only you know, his last two turn race and he couldn't turn that into that advantage into a, a, a win. He's, he's basically a one turn horse and he's a really, really good one turn horse. But the point being that that seems to be the one race, uh, you know, the Derby, those kind of where nothing is really given, but it, it's, it'd be nice to see that on a more regular basis. Yes, I concur. Short fields probably don't help either because. Um, well, I mean that that should to me the short fields would would mean that you get more kind of rider tactic strategy situations where you know they can they can you know make a horse go a little bit pull back you know they, they, you know a shorter field it seems like they would have a lot more options to to kind of play the cat cat mouse game. True, true, true. Um, well, our collector played the the <laughs> game in the Woodward. He uh, he's an improving horse. I mean, he, he obviously last year was unfortunate. He was on the Derby Trail, the Derby Trail, but um, you know had had a little bit of a, a setback, and Tommy Drury trained him at that point, and he never really recovered from it last year. And and, and I know he tried him in a couple of races, the Breeders' Cup Mile where he chased and, and just kind of flattened out. And he was, uh, he had earlier in the year, a Churchill in a seven furlong race, which was a brutally tough noon for an overnight race. It was really, really tough. Uh, but the horse was transferred to Bill Mott. And since then has, has really, um, really stepped up his game. And uh, he won a, one of those, you know, phony stakes that, Saratoga, then he then he won the uh, um, the Charlestown race, beating beating my my man Rye Eichelberry on the <laughs> lead. But uh, well, you know, I'll got, say that a, a real, a, you know a pretty moderate pace the other day, but it's kind of figured to be. I mean, um, I'll say this: the 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 times that I've seen Art Collector win, like he did the other day. He dominated the competition that he was clearly better than. And this includes his last race. I thought he was clearly better than the rest of the horses. And he ran like it. You know, he w- went to the lead and just kind of dominated the whole the whole race start to finish. I remember he, he did that um, before the Derby in that Ellis Park race. And none of those horses that were in that race were any good at all. Um and it, and it gave me some shades of that sort of thing. So I'm not so quick to kind of, you know, be like, wow, he can run with Nick's go. 
or you know. Well, one thing he has proven is that the Ellis Park Derby Trail is not the key to success. It's not the key race no. we thought it was. No, <laughs> duck, duck the Ellis Park Derby if you're trying to win the Kentucky Derby. So it's it's just I, I don't know I, I I'm I'm just not sold on a horse like that because I don't know, you know I I would think at this point you know we're first week of October that he would have to run his best race by far in order to win a race like the British Club Classic. True. Not saying he can. It's it's not impossible, but it's not as likely as other scenarios. You know, it's interesting. And, and and we have our our Breeders' Cup Classic top nine. Oh, yeah. Hermes style. Hermes. The Hermes. Or what's the Hermes is? You're probably young, but uh, <laughs> uh, like, a very brief guy. Comment. The Russ, Russ from the Daily Daily News. Yeah, what was his name? Russ, graded handicap. Russ Harris. Yeah, there you go, Russ Harris. Yes, sir. Um, but interestingly enough, our collector might um, might be at a little bit of an advantage in the Breeders' Cup in that. Of the horses that are speed horses, he has, you know, shown the ability to not have to be on the lead. True. He went to the lead in the Woodward, and 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 he went to the lead in the race of Saratoga because he was the fastest horse in the race. But he doesn't necessarily have to be on the lead. He has shown an ability to pass horses, and and you know he's getting better. So uh, <clears throat> I thought I thought Maxfield raced fine. He he was second best. Uh, the pace scenario really didn't set up for him well. I don't know that the one turn is perfect for him. Uh, the one thing that you know concerns me is that his first trip to California, he he ran okay at Santa Anita in the Santa Anita handicap, but he, he didn't run great. And then I don't know, I mean, obviously Santa Anita surface and Del Mar surface, especially Del Mar surface for the Breeders' Cup, are probably going to be different. But uh, Lightning fast, yeah. I mean that, that that's that that's one of the X factors that we just don't know. But yeah, um, there was a lot of other races in New York. The Wea, which was a Grade Three, my sister Nat won, and she'll have, I'm sure, literally no impact in the Breeders' Cup if she's even going. But <laughs> it seems like this is like the twelfth year of her racing. My sister Nat, man, for real, like this seems like she's been around forever. Um. Todd Kessler won the, the Pilgrim with Annapolis, who who I thought ran really well. And he got a, a – I know buyer figures are a little less accurate on the turf, but he got an 89 buyer, which is really, really fast for a two-year-old turf horse. Yeah. Down with that. Um, You know, that race usually puts together decent contenders for the Breeders' Cup every year anyway. So, yeah. Yeah, I think at this point, 33 days out, Every turf race, we're going to have to basically say, um, you know, depending on who comes over. <laughs> right. You know, the, the asterisk, depending uh, on who comes over, depending on, on which Euro horse is, is shipped over. And, uh, you know, that, that we'll have to temper our enthusiasm for, for American turf horses. In, uh, because they're just not, they just seem like they're, at least a cut below. And the two-year-olds, of course, is a little different story because we don't, you know, most of them haven't run very much. But uh, I'm really interested, actually, uh, to see what what kind of price uh, Warlike Goddess is going to be. 
Yes, she might actually be a decent price because the Euros are going to be overbet. There's no doubt. At least the ones that come over with the gaudy records. And they're not always the ones that win. <laughs> yeah, we learned that lesson last year. So, yeah. Sometimes the horses come over here and they appreciate the firmer ground that they're getting. I mean, not every horse that races in Europe wants a bog. So some of them are, you know, coming over here because of the ground, um, not in spite of it. And uh, that's just going to, you know, trying to do top nine, top 10 lists for those type of races is difficult because until it's, it's really settled and which Europeans are coming over, it's, it's, it's in the turf races, especially. Um, Shout out to Leah Jamardi for, for winning Miss Griot with sale by Philly by Stern. Uh, she did not get a huge speed number uh, in this buyer number in the 60s, upper 60s. But it's nice to see uh, uh, Leah win because she's a friend and she's a good trainer. And she's got, I think, you know, 10, 12, 15 horses. And, uh, you know, those kind of people just don't get that many opportunities to win graded stakes. So uh, shout out for, to her for sure. Friend of the program. Friend of the program for sure. Um, Reference. Uh, Echo Zulu Ooh. has really kind of taken a hold of that two-year-old Philly division, at least on the East Coast, and uh, she is just getting better and better. Um, I mean, she's by Gunrunner. She's out of a Menifee mare, so uh, up to a mile on the East should not be a problem distance-wise for her. Uh, clearly, a two-turn race is going to be different than a one-turn race, but there's nothing that she's done yet that, that would make you believe that the mile on the 16th wouldn't be within her scope. At least I haven't seen anything. I mean, what about you? Oh, uh, yeah. She looks like, you know, she, she can run all day. <laughs> you know, it's just it's just hard to gauge because she runs so fast and so much faster than her competition, especially when, you know, when the real running happens. She just pulls away. It's it's hard to tell how fast she's really running, you know, if, if she can just keep that kind of speed going or will she kind of, you know, fizzle out when it gets a little bit longer and then you add in maybe two turns and it might be a little bit different. But from what we've seen, she's a monster, bro. I was sitting past a wire at Saratoga for her spinaway win and she looked like she could have went around right just faster and just I mean, kept getting faster yeah she she was not like fatigued and and uh you know she came back and and just looked like she was just having fun out there and she's to me it's a a really exciting type of horse and um and, and <laughs> our friends of course were were at it this this morning um with touting the next year's derby winner and uh i think barshu talked about uh yeah it was echo zulo and i know you know a lot of the stuff he says he's doing in jest but the fact of the matter is she looks like the type of filly that that would be um you know potentially a horse that could get on the derby trail except the way churchill has set up the derby point system and this is not going to be another derby point system rant because we'll have plenty of time after the breeders cup to do that uh because you know they haven't fixed the damn thing but um, you know, she'll have to run in a, in a cult, um, on, on open, I shouldn't say cult, an open breeder or uh, derby prep 
um, or hope that less than 20 enter. So, uh, I mean, this is complete conjecture, and Steve asked me to probably give me a side eye for even mentioning it, but uh, but I thought she was really impressive. And uh, Well, I mean, at, at this stage of the game, they're, you know, I, I don't see anybody that stands out on the Colts' side. She's no. most impressive I've seen, so it's got to be in their in their headspace. Uh, the Champagne, which was was also run on Saturday at Belmont, was won by Jack Christopher, who ran really well. Um, Chad Brown has had far, 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 far more success on the turf than he has in the dirt. But the Champagne is a race that he seems to target because he's won it three out of the last six years. Um, though the horses. Uh, cloud computing, right? Anyone with cloud computing, mm-hmm. practical joke, and practical joke who's just look like he, he he really kind of disappointed as a step as a uh, as a racehorse as an older or three year old, but he he's turned out to be a pretty damn good styling. Um, but he ran really well. Gunite just kind of was, uh, you know, what they faced some pace pressure and wilted. Um, I thought, uh, you know, Wit <laughs> managed to get in trouble at oh my God. In, a, in, a, in a field that was spread out. <laughs> right. Uh, just uh, more than once, too. Not just one time. Yeah. I was just amazed. I was like, how, do you, how does that happen? And he's the worst type of horse to get in trouble because he's just so big. and Right. He, he stops momentum. He needs to get ro- yeah. rolling on the outside. Okay. Um, but he, he did wind up, you know, coming in third. It was a non-threatening third. Command Performance, who's a maiden, I thought ran well. I was kind of, um, I, I kind of kicked around with maybe playing him, and I, I wound up not playing the race. But uh, he ran well, and, and he, I mean, obviously, he wouldn't be a maiden for long if, if they continued on that path. I don't know if they're going to go to, um, I don't know if they're going to go to, um, Delmar with him or not, um, but uh, he he looks like uh, and, he, and he's a horse who had a tremendous amount of trouble his first race. He just got literally body slammed, um, and I think that was our closing day at Saratoga too. And uh, they're closing, yeah, that was a, that was on the closing Monday at Saratoga, and, and I mean that was when you know it was a little bit of a um, question of of you know is our Will we never see a gate disqualification again? Because the horse who won the race huh. clearly interfered with three horses at the start, including Command Performance, uh, who did recover in that race to run second. Uh, and he looks like he's a nice horse. Um, I mean, he just looks like a horse that's going to be, uh, you know, get better as he gets older. And uh, he's by Union Rags, uh, so he, he shouldn't uh, shouldn't have much trouble getting the distance. Um, I don't know. Personally, I'm I'm always wary of horses that that put up a big performance before a race like you know any of the Breeders' Cup races. Yeah, well, I'm not even sure that they're going to race in. Yeah, in I was Breeders thinking Cup. that too. I think they, you know, they may end up opting not to go and seeing what he has in 2022. Um, it it was kind of an um. You know, it was a good performance by Command Performance. I thought Jack Christopher ran really well. Uh, like I said, Wit was 
just kind of sucked up to be third and forget the rest. Gunite was was really a disappointment. Not that he he didn't you know run well, but stopped. <laughs> he just stopped. I mean, and, and it wasn't like he he got collared in the shadow of the wire. He, he was, no, he was done on the far turn. Yeah, yeah. We haven't heard much about him coming out of there, but uh, I wouldn't be shocked if he turned out to be sick or had buck shins or something because he didn't really show much of anything. Um, moving over to the Midwest on our way. Well, there, there's a such thing. We had the, um, uh, the, the, the Wayne Lucas classic, which is a, n- a new stake that Churchill's added. That's going to probably be on the, uh, schedule for classic contenders looking for a powder puff race. And that's oh, what we got, uh, moderate pace, just laid over the field race like it. A nice easy prep for the classic and uh i guess that's that's what they were looking for so uh i mean do you have anything to add to that because no i mean he did what he's supposed to do and and he's been doing that you know i know before um he would just throw in these bad races every now and then for whatever reason and not show speed or something i don't i don't know what was going on at the time but I mean, from a consistency standpoint, the last year and a half, he's been stellar. I mean, his only kind of hiccup in that department would be that Saudi race. Yeah, yeah. And And that really, and he was just not faster than Charlton at any point in his career. (laughs) And, and you know, he's shown a propensity for two-turn races. His one-turn races aren't that great, and his two-turn races are are really good. So, um Again, we, we have a, a, a top nine list that we each do, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, but yeah, it was it uh, was workmanlike. That's that's what yeah. I, it was workmanlike. He did what he's yeah. supposed to do. Sets him up perfectly for his next one. So I mean, you can't really if you're Brad Cox, you got to be feeling pretty good as long as the horse stays healthy. That was like uh, Alabama facing Troy State before the SEC. <laughs> little tune up. Get the get the lungs working a little bit, stretch the legs a little bit, and uh, see ya, see ya out west. Uh, the ACAC, which uh, it was interesting, Andy Serling put up a poll the other day or asked the question really, um, which race are you most looking forward to at Churchill Downs this Saturday? Nick's going to Lucas Classic or Bo Liam in the ACAC, and the majority of people put Nick's go, which I thought was weird, just because. Yes, he's a lot more popular horse, and I'm sure uh, a large contingent of the people who voted for Nick's go don't even know who Bose Liam is. But, I mean, Bose Liam was was undefeated horse who uh, really dusted the field. All three of his starts looked ultra-impressive, was stretching out from six and a half to a mile, uh, the, the, the one-turn mile of Churchill Downs in the ACAC. But, um, you know, he, he broke a little bit tardy and... Uh, it was a tough field, though. It, I... it was a pretty decent field. I mean, and he ran well. And that's the thing is he, he ran well. Um, ran very well, I thought. I, I mean. He finished second. Mm-hmm. But, uh, to Plainsman, who is. Plainsman is, is just. He's okay. I mean, for lack of a better word, he's just plain, you know. He, yeah, he's okay. <laughs> he's kind of one of those Midwest horses that just kind of kicks around. And, you know, every once in a while, he'll jump up and run. And he, and he ran a good race. I mean, he, he certainly ran a good race. I think he had about 100 and 
two buy or under buy or something like that. Um, but um, I mean, both Liam lost, but to me showed that he he's a, a good horse that just needs a little more experience. Right. He's going to, he's going to break through, I think, and, and be to feel like that later on easily, you know, easily. I think he got a lot out of that last one. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, I don't know if they're going to press on and go tackle life is good around two turns at Delmar. <laughs> Better not. <laughs> I wouldn't personally, but, um, but you never know. I mean, that's that's, that's uh, why they that's, run them. That's why they run them. That that is why they run them. Uh, you know, heading up to Santa Anita, uh, I thought the uh, the craziest race of of the, the weekend <laughs> in Santa Anita was the the Santa Anita Sprint Championship, where your your obsession horse was in. But uh, he's right on schedule. Barry and, and CZ's Rocket. There's he's kind of uh, he's he's the one man band for that you know you're the one man fan fly, right was it august or july you right? and the penguin peter miller are the only ones that really root for that horse i'm telling you man he's gonna be ready but uh dr shivel who's a you know kind of an emerging three-year-old coming off a win at, at del mar and what the, the brain crosby uh won the santa anita sprint championship which isn't exactly news he was one of the favorites but uh he did it with one rain <laughs> yeah that was crazy um you know, Flavian Pratt won four graded stakes this weekend, but he won three of them with two reins, and this one he won with one rein. <laughs> and that is, uh, I'm not easily impressed. A lot of times the people are like, oh, wow, you see that? I'm like, yeah, that's impressive. Uh, I got to say that uh, winning a, a graded stake with, with one rein, <laughs> that's tough. Yeah, he should he should get bonus points. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's gonna give him a tip. Uh, John Henry, which nice to see a, a a big stake named after the great John Henry, especially considering you're closing Arlington. His statue's too big to steal, so I don't know what's gonna happen to that. Uh, but United got up to win. Got a you know, of course he's gonna be in the Breeders' Cup and. I don't know. I, I just never really thought he was. I always thought he was a good horse, and he, and he certainly has a nice track record. But, um, well, I mean, to his credit, he was probably the closest horse to beating uh, bricks and mortar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> bricks and mortar's been retired for a while. right. Yeah. <laughs> well, even still, I mean, um. It's just a horse like United, who who I do like. It just doesn't he he doesn't strike fear in anybody. You know, there's nobody out there saying that this horse is a monster and can't lose. No, no doubt. And I mean, like he is. Like I said, he, he's a good horse. He's got a great track. Yeah, very nice. and he races better. Um, he's not scaring anybody off. It's like we talked about earlier, you know, let, let's see which of the Euros are going to come over and then, uh, you know, we'll see if United can, can fill out the Superfecta somewhere. Yeah, well, you know what else is another thing, too, is the win margins. Like, you know, he just gets up all the time. You don't really see him kind of putting any separation between him and anybody else. He kind of just gets up, times it right, 
you know, I'm sure that's a, a factor of the, the rider who's very, very good. Almost kind of like Mo Forza does the same sort of thing. Just kind of gets up by half a, half a length every time. Yeah. Mo, sorry, buddy. You're in the same category. Yeah. Well, Mo doesn't like to leave California. Well, the Breeders' Cup is in California. But... True. But, you know, his lone trip to Gulfstream, Mo Forza was miserable. Just utterly bad. Didn't run a step bad that day at the Pegasus. Let's see. Um, the Chandelier, which is the final California two-year-old filly prep for the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Philly, was owned by my former uh, apprentice trainer, Phil D'Amato, um, with a filly named Ain't Easy, who's by who else? Uh, Into Mischief. <laughs> um, she braced well, and, uh, and I guess you'll probably see the top two or three out of that race move on to the to the uh, juvenile fillies. Yeah, that that might be a really good race betting wise. I, I think there's a lot of good horses, and any one of them can jump up and win. So that that's one I'm definitely looking forward to on uh, Future Stars Friday. Um, the American Pharaoh was won by uh, Cornichi. Cornichi, Cornichi. Yes, for Robert Baffert, Quality Road. Um, Elias Uber Driver has decided that no one should come out to race against them and it should be uh, a walkover. He might end up being right. And he also might end up being wrong. Yeah, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta fade that. I mean, listen, the horse ran well. Uh, so it's a, you know, it's hard to knock him, but Let's let's you know. Let's see what happens if if uh, some speed thrown at him. Right. I mean, it, it was token pressure from as time goes by. So that wasn't really that wasn't really pressure. Right. Exactly. Token pressure. So, and they finished one too. They ran. It was a merry-go-round. So. Right. Um, I'm not saying that the horse can't win, but. Right. I mean, for for. You know, that's not a good gauge, that last race. No way. Yeah. I mean, there's literally two horses in that race, maybe three, and then the rest of them. Mm. Meh. Uh, well, that leads us to the final race that we'll recap this week, and we've kind of done a rapid recap. Rapid! Um, Fire. And going back to the theme that we talked about earlier in the show, Medina Spirit looked like he was going to face some early pace pressure and it never materialized. Uh, <laughs> that's an understatement. It just ran by everybody early. I don't understand why everybody got mad because he's uh, just faster. Baffert's other horse kind of sat three wide and they said, well, he's acting like a, a blocker because number one, that's they not, do. it's not illegal. No. It's not against the rules. He he just he, he found his position and he maintained it. He didn't cut anybody off. He didn't intentionally try to uh, box anyone out. And I mean, are we really thinking that that um, that Bob Baffert said, "Geez, I'm worried about this Tripoli. Let me put my horse in there." And uh, 
you know, to, to, to think, fade yeah. him. And how do you know when you enter what post positions you're going to get? If Tripoli had drawn the rail again, like he did his last race, then what? And, right. Um, the other the, the Baffert B team had drawn post eight. Well, he obviously wasn't going to be able to affect them in that that fashion. I mean, it's just it is what it is. I just didn't really run out of character. That that's how he races. Uh, and he also just cleared his, his second level condition, <laughs> and there's just not a whole lot of spots where he's going to run him. I mean, it's I just don't see why people get all pissed off about that. It just is what it is. Well, I think it's the, the combination of who it is and all that jazz, and you know they they get those uh, memories of I think it, wasn't it the the Belmont? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, I get it, but I think people need to pump their brakes i mean at some point you know and and i know this is going to be wildly unpopular but at some point you kind of have to give medina spirit his due i mean the horses run i mean you know of course he's always going to have those kind of question marks and things but i can't remember a race where the horse didn't run well even up against life is good when he's never not run well. Right, that's what I mean. I, I, I mean, he's, he's doing what he's done. The only thing now he's just not facing life is good to his, you know, benefit. <laughs> um, yes, because let's not forget that he had no chance of sticking with life is good really in the race. None. I mean, there Zero. wasn't even a. Every time life is good is far faster than him. And and that's going to be the question going into the Breeders' Cup with Medina's spirit is does he want to go heads up with the man? Well, when we talk about the, the classic, you look at, I mean, clearly Nick's go is the fastest horse in the race. He has the most early speed. Uh, I mean, last year in in the in the, the dirt mile, the big ass fans dirt mile around two turns at Keeneland, albeit on a extremely fast track. Um, he did go twenty one and four forty four and change. Okay, <laughs> so there's no other horse, Hot Rod Charlie, uh, Medina Spirit. Uh, those horses are not going to be able to easily keep up with that horse. I mean, if he was going to go that fast. But, I mean, Rosario is, is great on the front end, and he's going to dictate the pace in that race. I, I just have – I find it hard to believe. Unless someone enters a rabbit to run with him, I just don't see him not having, a, like, a two-length lead going into the first turn, provided he, you know, doesn't stumble at the start or something that doesn't happen. If uh, In a cleanly run race, it just seems hard to believe that Nick's go just isn't <laughs> – you know, three-fifths of a second faster than everybody else to the quarter. I tell you what, if I'm Medina Spirit and the connections, I would try to go heads up, thinking that Nick's go is not going to get the mile in the quarter. And they know they can. He can uh, get a mile in the quarter, but can he get a mile in the quarter if they go 45 and change? Because I think... Well, maybe, yeah. I mean, if, if, if you get to Nick's else, goes flank, you know? I don't think Rosario is going to be like saying, oh, okay, let me back up. I think he's going to... No, he's going to go. He's going to He's going to go. And and what you want wind up doing is, is... And I hate to be like the guy that says this, but, you know, if he sacrifices himself, he might wind up setting it up 
maybe probably for Brad Cox's for Brad other horse other or Conrad yeah. Charlie or one of the other ones, uh, or even Maxfield, who would really benefit from, from a fast yeah. pace. Um, but it's going to be a rider's race because somebody's I mean, got to go with them. I mean, they, ha- they have to see this. <laughs> uh, yeah, but Authentic was the same situation. Nobody went with him. No, because they didn't really know. I mean, they, they were kind of like, oh, well, he's a three-year-old. Who, who knows what, what he's going to do? But he looked like the main speed in a race. And he definitely did. That wasn't I, a lot of other speed. And, and yeah, some of these horses are they're pace setters, I guess. I wouldn't call them speed horses, right? I mean, they're, they're pace setters. But they're pace setters when it's convenient. I mean, I don't know. I, I just uh, no, it's, it's tough. It's a, it's a riddle. I mean, it, it's going to be a, a, a good puzzle. Um. Well, let's let's just jump right into it. Let, you know, we're talking about it. We might as well jump right into it. We're gonna give. I'm gonna give you Barry's top nine. And the nine at nine. It's nine because I'll be honest. It's hard to come up with with a tenth, <laughs> with a with an eighth and ninth, uh, let alone a tenth. Um, we're gonna go from number nine down. Uh, number nine, Barry has Happy Saver, and his comment is must uh, uh, improve vastly. Um, yeah, I mean, basically, he he makes the spot because he's like the only one left, <laughs> and he definitely has to improve. He hasn't improved his form since his last year, and he's in a struggle spot. Not impossible, but close to it at this uh, point. For number for number nine, I put Express Train. Basically, because I thought about a, him. It's a West Coast horse, and it's a West Coast race, and they have probably more. It'd be more likely to, to, number one, run in the race, actually enter. Uh, and number two, he does have experience over the track. And um, my comment for him was not much left to choose from. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number eight, who you had number eight. Go ahead. Why don't you give your give your uh, your, your horse? Triple E. Triple E. Needs a rebound effort. He, he does need the rebound effort. He didn't run that great. I mean, albeit he didn't have the best setup circumstances, what have you, but he still didn't really run that good. Um, he's capable, but kind of an outsider. Yeah, for number eight, I also had Tripoli, and my comment is he's got a puncher's chance if a rapid pace develops. There you go. I mean, you never know what happens. He's going to get first run. He, he should be in that second flight if you, you know, if you think that's going to happen. You know, if he draws inside and, and kind of gets that inside out kind of uh, yeah, the same trip he got in the classic, trip he got in the in the, uh, the Pacific so, Classic. Maybe you know, maybe he can get on the board. I, I don't know, but it's going to be a long price, and um, uh, his best is good enough to get him on the board. I don't know if it's good enough to win, but we have to, you know, we have to come up with somebody. Uh, who who do you have at number seven? Maxfield, consistently good, but not great. Was my comment from number seven? I had Medina Spirit. <gasps> How dare you, sir? And my comment is this: and can he pass horses? I mean, can he pass horses? I don't know because I don't want to have to find out at the in the Breeders' Cup at nine to two. Uh, Who do you have number six? Art collector. His last was impressive, and it was. I, I liked his last race, but I still don't think he's he's kind of middle of the road, just like where I put him. Um, he's not at the top of the heap because he's not as fast as a horse like 
Nick's go or Medina spirit. Um, but he's solid and, and, you know, he can, he's, he's tactical. And I think that that's going to work to his advantage. I have him at number six as well. Uh, my comment is trending in the right direction. Yeah. Good comment. If I, if I should have put, put uh, in fine fettle. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody ever knew what the hell that meant, but uh, no it, was, it, was, it wasn't as good as, as the best one was. Shug calls shots. That's great. Shug <laughs> <laughs> calls the shots, man. How do you like the stirs? Uh, why do you like our Shug calls the shots? <laughs> um, all right, number five. Max Player. We know the distance is not a problem. And he's in career best form. So, I mean, you know, I, I couldn't put him, you know, further up the ladder because of his running style. He's kind of a plotting type. Um, but he's much improved than he was last year. His last two races really proved that. I, I was a non-believer, and he, he got me twice. So, um, you know, I, I can't I can't count him out yet. He's in the middle. Uh, number five, I had Hot Rod Charlie. And my <gasps> comment is, might work out a stalking trip. Um, he has kind of turned into a a pace setter, except in the Haskell, which he won. I mean, he won the Haskell. The fact that he, you know, clobbered the horse and caused him to fall down doesn't take away from the fact that he was able to uh, sit off a pretty lively pace and, and finish pretty well. So uh, I think that that will be, you know, the tactic that they take. And I think the draw is going to be important for him because if he draws outside of all the other speed and all the other tactical speed, uh, I don't know that he wants to be three or four wide around the turn. So I don't know if he wants to pass horses. He's another one that I'm not so sure that he wants to pass anybody. Maybe past one, but sometimes he kind of like inherits the lead. Yeah, and you have you have him number four. Yes, I do. Um, because he's he's on the improve. He's he's a major threat, especially you know. I, I you know my thinking is in 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 all the scenarios on how the race could unfold, he could be right there in a lot of them. May not win it, but he's going to have his shot. So you know. Like you said, unless he gets a, a seriously outside post and kind of has to go wide, he should have a good trip and, and, and be competitive here. I had Max Player at number four. And if you had told me three months ago that I would have Max Player, the fourth rated horse for the British <laughs> Cup Classic, I might have slapped you. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I might have just whacked you. Like, what are you nuts? Oh, man. I mean, the horse went seriously off form. They went over to the Middle East and was just not very good over there. Um, but, you know, give him credit. They persevered with him, and he has shown certainly that um, the mile and a quarter spirit. will not be a problem. I mean, he, he, oh, can, yeah. he can get the mile and a quarter. But like you said earlier, he's a little bit more of a plotting type and maybe wind up – I mean, I, I could – you take the the nine that we're, we're, we have here. I mean, there's a good chance he's laying ninth out of this group. <laughs> I mean, depending on who else runs. I, I mean, you had express. Uh, I had express train, and, and you had happy saver. Uh, we we don't even know if they're running. 
either one so, of them. <laughs> I don't know who else is, is, is even kind of planning on running here, but um, I mean, that's the thing is Max player is, is he going to be able to, um, you know, pass nine horses or eight horses or seven horses? I, I don't know, but he could under the right conditions, you know, the right scenario he could. But I've faded him all year. I've faded him his whole career. Yeah, but pretty. I gotta, I gotta tell you, he he made a believer out of me. I, I don't think he's you know, uh, forego, but he he certainly is. Uh, he's he's a contender. Um, number three. What do you got for who do you have number three? Medina Spirit, because he just keeps winning, and the horse is, is he's just good. I, I mean, I I I'd love to knock him. And I don't really have other knocks other than the fact that he probably wants the lead. But I don't, I, you know, just my, my intuition is telling me that he could stalk. He just can't be way back. Um, but, you know, I, I just think he's, he's in really good form right now. And, he, and he's, he's running good. I mean, he, he handled that field the other day fairly easily, I thought. I mean, I, I could be wrong, but, um, and that, and that was, that's a great race to come out of into another, you know, I, I don't think it didn't seem like he was fully cranked, but we'll see. I, I think, I think he merits a good shot at this. You know, what race keeps coming back to mind with him for me. That race where he dug in and beat dream shake. No, no, the, pre- the preakness, the preakness. Yeah. Ah. I don't know. I can forgive that one. This, this, this to me is setting up like another Preakness, and that's that's what um, that that's what troubles me. That's that's why I have him quite a bit down the list. I, I just uh, I don't know. I'm not sold. Uh, number three, I had Maxfield. Uh, I think he's got a solid chance if he gets the right pace set up, which could certainly happen. Um, if, like you had talked about earlier, if someone does put just token pressure on Nick's go, I mean, just not let him, you know, just really dawdle on the lead. Uh, but Maxfield would be the one horse that really would benefit from a solid pace. True. True. And also, uh, number two horse. What now, else? You're, you're number two and my number two. Your number one and my number one are the same two horses, but in inverted order. So really, go ahead and want, give give your give your first two, give your number two and number one, because obviously we have to give out number two. <laughs> it'll be obvious who number one is. So go ahead and and, and use those. Give us the, those two numbers. Number two, I have essential quality, and number one, I have Nick's go. Now. I mean, Brad Cox has, has the best hand of anybody going into this whole thing. And it's, you know, it's hard to argue either one of these being number one. I mean, um, I can see both of them. You know, there, there's no knocks on essential quality at all. I mean, he's answered the call every time. And he's, he's shown to be an ultra consistent, fast horse when it counts. Um, you know, the only thing is going against older Nick's go is quicker to the punch. And that's really the only difference between the two of them for me. 
Yeah, and I went the opposite way. I put Nixco second, and I put the Central Quality first. Uh, the race I keep coming back to with Central Quality is the Trappers. And his ability to wear down a horse with a loose lead midnight bourbon, who's a quality horse. And, I mean, people know that I've, I've, I've poked holes in midnight bourbon since February. <laughs> he doesn't pass horses, and he, he's a, a horse that... Um, He's a record player horse. Yeah, same old story, right. But essential quality running him down in the Travers, I, I think that that race might not get as much respect as it should because the pace was extremely slow. I mean, extremely slow. Um, Reminded me of the bluegrass a little bit. And he just outwilled him, you know. He just wanted it more than the other horse. And he's a better horse. I mean, look, there's no question. Essential quality is a better horse than Midnight Bourbon. He's probably three or four lengths better, all things being equal. But Midnight Bourbon is a good horse in really good form who just walked a dog. I mean, he went three quarters and 14. Yeah, he had no excuse. <laughs> and after that, he couldn't escape Essential Quality. Essential Quality just didn't let him open up. And Santana was trying in the Travers. I got into it with a guy on Twitter. He said, well, Santana should have opened up. And I was like, did you want try? He was trying to open up. He was in a full drive at three furlongs out. I go, but essential quality was, you know, wasn't letting him go. He, he was cutting into it. So to me, next go, the one question about him is his ability to go a mile and a quarter. And it seems odd, but we've seen in the derby preps time and time and time and time again, some horses can get a mile and eighth that just cannot get a mile and a quarter. And that is the question, especially if if Nixco has some pace pressure applied to him, if he's not just allowed to. I mean, if Nixco goes to half and 48 and 2, oh, it's I over. think it's, it's, Good it's night. over. If Nixco had got the same fractions in the Travers as, as Midnight Bourbon, he mm. would not have lost. Essential right. quality would have run second. He just would never have been able to catch him. But. Uh, I'm thinking that there might be enough pace pressure. And again, a lot of this might depend also on the draw, who draws where, or there's a, you know, a, a horse that wants to lay up close, uh, draw inside where he's kind of forced to go because he doesn't want to wind up, you know, getting every, everybody coming over on him in the turn. Uh, that's, um, yeah. you know, that, that, that's, uh, that's the story. Uh, well, it, I think Essential Qualities Travers was really, really eerily similar to the Bluegrass. You know, where he just, I, I forget the Chad Brown horse that that was winging it out there and they weren't going fast. And that's when Rumbauer finished third because he was actually closer to the pace than he had ever been. Um, and he kind of wore down that horse. And I think he got he got that lesson that day came back in almost almost identical situation in, in the Travers and, and did the same thing where he just kind of warmed down. That that horse had nothing for him. Um yeah, I mean, you know, I given the two, I would say that essential quality will is is probably just the tougher of the two horses and and would go by if they were head and head. Um so yeah, I mean it's it's shaping up to be a, a pretty decent race. Yeah, it, it is. It's an interesting race, and uh, 
it's funny, like you said, Brad Cox will hold the cards because if someone gets crazy and puts a rabbit in or someone gets crazy and he's got the second and, best horse and guns, uh, you know, to, to challenge Nick's go, he's sitting in the catbird seat with, with essential quality because that, that'll, you know, play to his favor. And, um, I'm sure if you could, uh, get him to admit this, he would rather win the, um, the Breeders' Cup Classic for Go Dolphin than the Chinese, or the, excuse me, the Korean Racing Authority, because uh, as far as I know, I don't know if he has any other horses for them, uh, but Go Dolphin's got lots of horses. So, um, I mean, it, and I mean, barring anything unforeseen, if one of those two wins, they would probably be horse of the year, right? Essential quality, yeah, definitely. Um, Nick's go, yeah, probably, yeah. I mean, he he won uh, <clears throat> the Whitney. He won the Iowa thing. Uh, he won the Pegasus. Lucas, he won the Pegasus, and he won the Classic. And he would have probably beaten his only real contender because I, I think if one of those two wins, it doesn't matter what Latrushka does. No, Latrushka, I don't think is in the conversation unless somebody beats both of these horses. I was almost a wise guy and put her ninth thing. You know, you never. Yeah, know. I, I I see her on a lot of lists, but there, there's no way they're gonna run her against. It doesn't make any sense. It's like right. you know when people were talking about life is good after the Alan Jerkins saying, "Well, how did I get him to the classic?" I said, "Well, they wait till next year." <laughs> <laughs> it makes no sense to, for them to run him in the classic, given his style of racing and the presence of Nick's go. Um, I mean, here's two horses just absolutely positively have to be in the lead, and there's two horses. Uh, and, and I think life is go- good is, is, is probably faster than Nick's go. I mean, I think so also, like yeah. Charleston was. <laughs> yeah, so, but it wouldn't be to his benefit. So, and, and, you know, he missed a lot of time, and it just is. Right, it's he's too never hard to race. I think they're definitely doing the right thing. By racing in a dirt mile, it makes the dirt mile a little less. Uh, I mean, he, he should have that field over a barrel. That's just the way it is. But we'll try to do some more top nine lists. And, and uh, uh, I mean, there's really no more preps for these, for the classic at least. So um, unless there's some horses that, that fall off the list, I, I don't see a whole lot of change coming in the coming weeks because there just isn't much going on. And, but we'll do a couple. I think, we you know, maybe we'll do a the sprint uh and and you know this year you got the sprint jackie's warriors is a prohibitive favorite you have the distaff latrushka is a prohibitive favorite and it doesn't mean they can they're gonna win i mean no they're, they're but, not gonna win if they do that i'll i'll toss my tv in the atlantic ocean right but um you know the turf races again we we really kind of need to see who is is coming the dirt uh, the two-year-old races we kind of got to let these horses come out of these races and, and, and figure out who's going where and let the fields kind of gel a little bit. The, the juvie turf races again, it's, it's hard to, um, it's hard, it's hard to figure those races until you know, which of the Europeans are coming over or if any are, or who is and who is not. But uh, anyways, it's, it was kind of cool. It was, and, and it's like, it's nice to talk about, um, Positive things, excitement, yeah, some 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 anticipation, some buildup, you know. Yes, uh, to, so using the word positive is kind of a lead-in um, because oh. I wrote a piece this weekend about 
Gulfstream Park and the out-of-competition testing that they've enacted and um, how it's probably a bigger deal than people think. And horse racing, its followers, its participants, it's a cynical game. It really (laughs) is a cynical game because, number one, it's hard. It's really hard. Um, You take out the super trainers who make it look easy. The amount of carnage in their barn would, would make your head spin. And that doesn't mean, uh, you know, they're shooting horses or anything. But so many of those horses don't make it. You're only seen. They're sifting for gold. There's so many, you know, nuggets in, in the barn. But they have to go through a lot of horses to come up with them. So they make it look easy, but it's not easy. That's why they all have gray hair or no hair. Um, <laughs> and the participants from a gambling standpoint, I mean, listen, we... we do this every week every week we have shitty stewards decisions every week we have uh bad tests and bad rides and um just things that don't make sense and late odds changes and um, no no pay horses form changing because they're taking back because so-and-so's got a speed horse i mean the list goes on and on and on and on but i was a little taken aback by um, by the reaction, especially on social media, that wasn't entirely supportive and, and in a lot of ways, in a lot of places, wasn't supportive at all. And, and I was kind of like, you know what? We're as pessimistic about things as, as anybody can be. Because we, we, you know, the one thing that you're going to get out of this show is you're going to get the truth. You know, you're going to get the way we feel. And we're not worried about people's feelings. We're not worried about, um, you know, trying to always look take the sunny side version because that's not well that's not our personality either of us so um but this calendar year we've seen this major the three major racetrack operators naira churchill downs and the stronic group now or first or whatever they call themselves first bet first bet we've seen them um, do more to take control of their product. And their product is, is the races that we bet on. I mean, in the end, they sell tickets, right? That, that's their main business. Um, you know, not to get into the slots and this and that, but, you know, their racetracks are, are in the business of selling tickets. Um, and the actions that, that they've taken are proactive and, to me, encouraging. Because for so many years, they would sit on the sidelines and just wait for the regulators um, to do this. And it just doesn't work anymore. It's too complicated. There's too many lawyers involved. There's too many uh, factors Money is always an issue. I mean, some of these racing commissions uh, are not going to spend the money. They're not. They're they're instructed not to to spend more money than over the budget is. And a lot of times, the budgets have been cut because racing is not deemed to be all that important. And it's baffled me that people haven't seen what Jeff Gorell has done at the Meadowlands, the Trotter Track. Um. 
especially when you look at the handle that they do versus most of the other you know, major tracks. And I can tell you, they, their handle dwarfs most everyone else outside of, of, of Mohawk, of Woodbine, uh, you know, north of the border. And they do outhandle them as well. But, uh, you know, he, he's been very aggressive about keeping people out of his pro racing program that uh, have a bad rip, lots of issues. Hmm. And I just think that people feel a little more comfortable betting those races. And I think that in thoroughbreds, it's even bigger. Um, I think it's a bigger deal. And I do think that, uh, that the fact that Gulfstream has gone ahead and, and obviously the situation in South Florida or, or Florida in general, not having a proper racing commission has been a, a detrimental thing in a lot of ways. But it has opened the door for Gulfstream to put in house rules, which they did. Uh, these rules are in the condition book. This is not some, um, you know, 11th hour thing that got passed uh, and was put uh, on the back of a flyer that was handed out, you know, Christmas Eve. I mean, people should know. If you're a horse trainer at Gulfstream Park and you didn't know that these rules were in effect, then that's your problem. Um, I think a lot of the people knew that they put the rule in. I don't think they thought they were going to do anything with it. Uh, because that's kind of how... Right, that's how it's been. They, they would kind of throw things out there as a kind of a, a facade and, and not enforce it. And then they got burned this time because they actually did something. Right. And I think the Maryland situation where there was a slew of positives for, uh, uh, I can't remember which, which medication, but it, it, was a, it was a common, regular, pretty common medication that's used um, where the guidelines weren't being filed. And remember, when a, tra- when a state tells you, okay, this is, uh, there's a 72 with our, with our withdrawal, that's a suggestion. That's not a rule. You can give the medication within that rule. Um, now there are rules about, um, like in New York, you can't give banamine within 24 hours. You can't give butte within 48 hours. Those are specific rules, but in other States, they give you a withdrawal time. It's a suggested withdrawal time. So the rule you break is if your sample comes back higher than, an allowable level or in cases where there's no allowable level if it's detected period um what happened in maryland was there was a 72 or a 96 hour window that was supposed to be used uh the trainers were having the veterinarians uh or the veterinarians were telling the trainers that they can give it 72 or 48 hours excuse me closer to the race except they were only giving half doses um, and a lot of times the rules are detection level rules. When they give you a, a time to be used as a guide, say, okay, is, you shouldn't give this medication inside 48 hours from post time. Well, that's based on one shot of a standard dosage. So if the horse had gotten um, two or three shots that week or 
had gotten butte, which is usually given orally that week. Well, that that's not you know that, that's not the, the the time frame that's actually given. The time frame given is one dose of a standard dose period with no other doses. So it, it, it's listen, it's a shitty way of doing things. It's it's just. Uh, it's like driving down the, the highway and the speed limit is suggested to be 55, but maybe on Thursdays it's 50. So if you're driving 53, <laughs> you're speeding. And but the fact that the matter, the, 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 this and this is the way it is. These are the rules. And if you, uh, you know, if you're not going to follow them, um, if you're not going to, to, if you're going to press the envelope, you know, push the issue all the time, um, you're going to get in trouble. And people complained that these penalties for these five trainers that were caught weren't strong enough. But you have to remember, the track is, um, you know, they're administering this program. It just started. And you have to, 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 be realistic about the penalties. And I don't think that people, I think sometimes Baffert is looked at as a, an outlier and he is in a lot of ways because he can afford to spend six figures to get legal representation and, and he gets good legal representation. He's not getting, you know, the kid that just hung his shingle. He's five minutes out of college. He's getting guys oh. who are, who've been around the block. Um, and they're not cheap. These are four hundred dollar an hour guys or, or more. Um, but you can't give them something to attack. And if you gave an excessive amount of days, or what a court would consider an excessive amount of days, versus what's then handed out by the state or by other jurisdictions, then they're probably going to go, and they're probably going to get an injunction. They're probably going to get it, and it's just going to like, like. That makes no one happy, right? I mean, what's worse than if Bob Baffert had gotten this positive in the Derby and, and he had come out and he said, listen, we screwed up. We don't know what happened, blah, blah, blah. I, I feel terrible. And, you know, God, whatever, you know, whatever penalties they give us, we'll, we'll take them. But we didn't do this. A totally different thing. It, it would be over by now. Yep. It would have been a totally different thing. I go, what, you know, what, what kind of really keeps, it's like that, that, um, that itch that just doesn't go away and it just aggravates you is every couple days there's another uh, court case, there's another lawsuit, there's another injunction, there's another, um, you know, this said, he said, this said, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and people just get sick of it. It's like, you know. Right, you wear them down. I mean, who's not sick of this shit? Who's not sick of it? But the fact of the matter is, this is America. And people do have rights, and no matter how um, uh, how disdainful the people who are, are doing this are, they do have legal rights, and we have to follow a system. Um, and hopefully, the first racing is going to be aggressive and you know make examples out of people because I think that's the point. Um, saying hey. Follow the rules, or you can go somewhere else. And remember, they own the property. That's the one thing that the one kind of 
um, the flying ointment for Naira is that they don't own the property that the tracks live on. And that's something that the federal judge who granted Bob Baffert the injunction that let them run at Naira for the current time said to Naira was that you can't act as a private operation on one hand and then act as a state actor on the other hand. I mean, it's got to be one or the other. So, but the other tracks, Gulfstream being one of them, they operate in a different fashion. And the fact of the matter is that um, they have private property rights that they could uh, use. And if a person keeps getting positives, if they get more positives, if they are, are you know, going to be a detriment to the racing program, they could ask them to leave. Um, because training horses is not a protected status. And I'm sure there's a lawyer out there that's going to say, well, you know, denying a person right to make a living and blah, 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 blah. I'm not telling them they can't make money, just not here. It's been, <laughs> it's held up a lot. Um, but it's a, it's a big step. It's a big step because, trust me, just do your own. <laughs> oh, like don't a, say those words. <laughs> I was going to say, this is, this is like, a, like, a, like a, a, a phrase everybody laughs at. But do your own research. <laughs> you know? like No, but it's true. It's, that stuff's out there. It's public knowledge to some degree now the people that came positive at goldstream the five trainers um and listen if you if you haven't heard of it just google it there's plenty there's plenty of uh press covering this um but goldstream claimed that these were random tests and they did 10 horse trainers and five of them came back positive and five of them did not come back positive but of the five that came back positive They've all had lots previous of issues one. before. Right. Daniel Pita, who is winning at 4% this year, right? So he would be an unlikely candidate um, to be someone that would be thought of as, as someone using performance-enhancing drugs, except, except last year he had a good filly that he was going to run in the Breeders' Cup that won the Florida Sire Stakes or Stallion Stakes or whatever they're calling it now. Um And uh, Princess Secret is her name. And she was excluded from the Breeders' Cup. The Breeders' Cup did pre uh, or out of competition testing, pre race testing, and they found Winstrel, which is an anabolic steroid in her system. And she was not allowed to enter. And not surprisingly, she, uh, she can't get out of her own way this year. She's old for five. She hasn't come close. She had one third place in an allowance race. Her last race, she got beat forty something lengths in a in a minor stake at Gulfstream. Um, that's not a good look. So clearly, he has had issues. I mean, getting horse barge in the, in the Breeders' Cup—that's pretty tough. It's not something that happens all that often. Uh, Georgina Baxter, who actually had news today, came out about uh, she had won a, a Grade Two at Charlestown with a filly. Um, that won pretty easily. Uh, the horse got a positive test for fluxanin, which is banamine, which is an anti-inflammatory. Uh, and it's a class four. It's not like, uh, uh, this isn't like a murder case, right? This is a class four, and it's, it's going to be um, something that they're going to take away the purse, which is really the biggest penalty in 
it's $230,000 out of the owner's pocket, 23,000 out of the, the jockey's pocket and out of the trainer's pocket. Um, and they're doing split samples, but the split samples, I don't know, maybe 95, 98% of the time come, come back. Yeah. Come back negative or excuse me, come back positive as well. I mean, they almost always do. So, um, she took over for Ralph Zadie. Ralph Zadie was a long respected trainer in South Florida. He had, uh, you know, quite a few good horses, solid trainer, never trained a huge amount of horses, but, uh, I think, I, I guess his best horse is probably Sir Bear, who was, a, you know, top notch handicap horse for a couple of years. Uh, he had a couple of good three-year-old silver, silver wagon and trust your luck, all, all grade one winners. But by 2015, Ralph's career had kind of wound down. He had a couple owners. I remember um, hearing that he had a couple owners that had died and he hadn't been able to replace them. And he was one for 37 in 2015. Uh, His son, Kirk, has been, I would say, probably has had the most issues with racing regulators since the 2000s have started. I mean, he has just had problem after problem after problem after problem. And Gulfstream, um, excuse me, not Gulfstream, Florida, the state that doesn't really have the Raising Commission, (laughs) they have the Department of Paramutual Wagering, they gave him a six-year ban. Um, And it's hard to get banned by the Florida (laughs) Department. Yeah, because they don't know anything. (laughs) And his father took over. Like I said, his father was a basically out of training. He was one for 37. He made $34,000 in purses in 2015. Well, Kirk got six years. Ralph took over the barn. <laughs> uh, Ralph was a, you know, 14, 15% trainer his whole life. Uh, suddenly, Ralph was whacking out 30%. I was going to say 28. <laughs> yeah. And in 2018, the same thing happened. The Florida Department of Paramutual Wagering decided to revoke his license. So the, he, he no longer got a license. Basically, revoking your license is the uh, death penalty. You, you don't even have a license, at least a suspended license. You can eventually reapply. Yeah. I guess you could reapply with a revoked license, but essentially, they're saying you're not worthy of a license. And that's really bad. And, uh, Georgina Baxter took over. She had been working for Ralph Galloping Horses and uh, kind of you know, being the foreman, and she wound up uh, having a pretty good first year training horses, uh, training Ralph's horses, which were Kirk's horses, and then the next year she went from 19% all the way up to 30% um, for the next two years. And last spring, she got 25-day suspension and $7,500 for stacking violations. Stacking is... um, when more than one allowable drug is found in a horse's system, even if it's under the level that is allowable, you're only allowed to have one. And this is mainly for anti-inflammatories, things like bute and banamine. You can have one or the other. You can't have both. So a 25-day suspension is, uh, again, it's, it's, it's a pretty good suspense. I was going to say, that's, that's pretty hefty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, especially in Florida. For somebody where that hasn't been training long either. <laughs> yes. I mean, this is person who's been trained since 2018. 
Um, so, you know, the, you know, the, the news today about this positive, like couldn't have come at a worse time for her. Man. <laughs> I mean, that's a tough week, you know, <laughs> you get, you get hit by Gulfstream for the out of competition test. And then you find out, you know, the great, the big grade two winner you just had just it's probably gonna get taken now too so uh rohan Crichton is a cpa who also trains horses um he's had 25 medication violations since 2013 including 11 class two positives class twos are class one is like the worst kind of drug like uh like a true hop, like a torphine or something that's like absolutely positively performance enhancing and absolutely positively does just, there's no reasonable reason to, to have it in a horse. It's not a mistake. It's not the, the feed tubs got switched. It's something that's you're only using Intense. those if you're yeah. trying to cheat. Class twos are a step below that, but it's way, way more serious than like a banamine positive or, or something that's, uh, that has a proper use. This uh, class is two dozen. He's had 11 positives. Uh, he's trained nine years. He's had positives in six of them. Um, he also just won 25%, which is higher in, in the summer meeting call stream, which is higher than his, uh, his normal strike rate. Uh, Gilberto Zerpa was kind of a journeyman trainer, trainer, mostly cheap horses. He did pretty good. I mean, he was a guy that you had to, you know, if he had a decent horse in the race, he'd respect it. I mean, but he was about a 17% trainer. He'd win a couple races a month. Uh, then he he turned magical. And uh, <laughs> Gelfenstein Farms, who also, uh, put it this way, Gelfenstein Farms owned XY Jet. If you don't know who XY Jet is, Google him. So Gelfenstein Farms started sending him horses, and all of a sudden... Zerpa was like a giant move up trainer. And 2017, he jumped up to uh, to, to 28%. Um, Damn. 2018 was really, and I, and I honestly, I ran against him a lot. And then it, it was. It was frustrating seeing him in a race because you just knew that something wasn't really kosher because nobody's supposed to win 40%. And for a while, he was winning more than 40%. 40%. He wound up finishing the year winning 40%. That's ridiculous. <laughs> 40%. Um, in other words, if his horse were alive, this is what I wrote, like almost nothing that can happen to a racehorse that can uh, cause it to not win happened to his horses they just overcame everything um peter walder has been dealing with clenbuterol issues since the late 90s and andy buyer did a couple stories on him that uh, i included links to and he's had quite a few issues uh with the state racing board or what we have, you know, with passenger racing board here, including uh, a story that Ray Pollock covered about um, him effectively physically ducking 
the Florida regulators so that they couldn't serve him with notice of his positive test. And he hightailed it out of town to, to Saratoga or Jersey or somewhere? Yeah, yeah. He was up, up east, and he basically waited it out. And uh, the state claims that that's an open case. Uh, I don't know what what it's. You can't get much out of the state. They don't, you know. It's not like you can call up and they're going to tell you a lot of stuff. <laughs> but um, you know, there are rules, there are regulations, and and they're a government body, so they can't just do what they want. Um, but I, I kind of thought it was like a Benny Hill kind of thing. Again, I might be dating myself, but um, I can hear you know, the music. Cue the Benny Hill music, and like he's running around the backside, and the regulars are chasing him, and you know, trying to give him the papers, and he's ducking and diving. And I mean that that's what that that's what we're faced with here, right? You know, you're trying to to clean the game up, and and this is the kind of stuff. Well, we couldn't find him to give him the papers, so. We've got to drop it. I mean, it's just crazy. But he's had a couple other positive sense. And um, I guess my whole point during that whole kind of spiel is that even though they said these were random, if you gave me a list of 10 guys. You knew who was going to come up positive. These guys all had issues in the, you know, the last, you know, it hasn't been that long since they've had issues of their own or have done things that would cause you to have suspicion of them so um and i don't think they should be random why, why should it be random why should it be random if you are magical if, if you're a sorcerer if you're a savant prove it prove it show us that there's nothing going you know there, there's nothing going on um but I think that this is a, a big step. And, you know, the HISO thing is stuck right now. Uh, it's hard to tell what's going to happen. The lawsuits that uh, are stacking up against it seem to have some merit, according to the legal people who have I've talked to about it. Um, you know, so we, we don't really know what's going to happen in that regard. Uh, they've got a shitload of work to do and there's not much time left i mean they're supposed to have um they're supposed to have suggestions like all all these rules and stuff wrapped up by like december to give to the federal trade commission because again they're government bodies and they have uh timelines and 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 things that they have to follow and it's just uh i i just don't know how they're going to get all that done but that being said if the tracks are going to be more uh proactive and not just testing Um, You know, there's other ways of being proactive. There's a lot of other things that they can do off of this if this is going to be a first step. Um, I mean, my suggestion might be if you get a out of competition positive that you. Maybe not all of them, but maybe when uh, the next go around for stalls comes up that you you lose 20 percent of your stalls. Stalls are currency for trainers. Stalls are the way that um, you can build your stable. And if you're already big, it's the way you maintain your stable. Not having stalls is difficult and it's costly, especially if you have to have horses in a lot of different places or open up a division somewhere else. Um, Got to be a huge pain in the ass to, you know. It is. And, and of the trainers listed that got positives, and I, I, I've been led to believe that there are other positives out there that might have some complications 
I don't exactly know, and I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to publicly guess because I, I really don't know other than what you know I've heard. Um, but most of the, these people operate almost exclusively in South Florida, uh, except for Peter Walter has been racing horses up up the coast, at, you know, New Jersey somewhat, and then in New York, he raced quite a few at Saratoga. And these are not. Um, these are not penalties that will probably get um, uh, respect, not respected. Um, there's rep- res- res- <laughs> I'm killing the word reprocosity. <laughs> there's reprocosity uh, on if a, a, a racing commission, if a regulator gives you a suspension, everybody honors the suspension that, that that's done pretty much internationally. Um, but this is a racetrack. This is not a regulator. And, and they are only in charge of their own properties. They can't, they can tell you, okay, you cannot race at any of our properties, but that does not mean that the other tracks will follow. And based upon what happened with, with Baffert and Naira, um, I would think that Naira would be very cautious about doing that because, you know, the federal judge essentially told them, Hey, if you want to, uh, if you want to get rid of a guy, you want to tell a guy that you don't want him on your property, you got to give him a hearing and you got to tell him what you're going to do. And you got to let him give a chance to, 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 to say, you know, his say, give his, uh, you know, be represented by legal um, you know, by an attorney and, and, and give, you know, there's a process, a due process situation, but that's Naira. That's a different situation than some of the other tracks. Uh, a mom leading trainer. This last meet is currently barred from the Maryland jockey club. And I believe a couple of West Virginia tracks. So clearly they're not going to say anything, but it's, it's a, it's a step, you know, it's a step. Um, right. And I think you, you kind of highlighted that in a good way, um, because for so long it was just nothing. It was, uh, you know, it was one of those things where everybody knew, but nobody was doing anything about it. Right. Yeah. And, uh, like Rohan Crichton is trying to enter a Philly in the spinster um, at Keeneland. And, you know, Keeneland is in a position where you would hope that they would take a stand, but I don't think they're going to because of the Baffert situation with the Kentucky racing commission. And I I just think that, um, I just don't think they're going to do anything about it. I think they're going to let him run. He claims today in a Mike Welsh from the DRF did a story on it that, he just wants to do the best for racing, but um, you know, if he really wanted to do the best for racing, he would send a horse to a trainer in Kentucky, let them raise the horse up there. But that's probably not going to happen because of people's egos. And, uh, you know, God forbid the horse wins and his name not listed. But the problem is for the good of racing. If the horse wins and his name is listed, especially after what's happened uh, this week, it's just. I mean, it's just not, it's just a bad look. It just is a bad look. 
know, I understand where Keeneland's coming from if they do allow him to race because they are under no obligation to honor Gulfstream suspension. Um, but, uh, you know, it's interesting that Keeneland hasn't really said much and Baffert does not race at Keeneland hardly at all outside of a Breeders' Cup. But uh, I don't think that they've, they, you know, I mean, as far as I know, they've made no comment on that situation. So it's a little bit of an odd look that uh, you have four tracks in, um, or five tracks with Kentucky Downs in Kentucky and Churchill and Turfway, which is owned by Churchill, don't allow a trainer to run. But Keeneland and Ellis and uh, Kentucky Downs <laughs> does. So, I mean, you try to explain this to people who have a grasp <laughs> of the game, and it's hard to explain. When you try to explain this to people that don't, they're like, you know, like, what? <laughs> How does this make sense? And I guess the best answer is that uh, our justice system doesn't always make sense or doesn't always create situations that make a, a lot of common sense. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's that's one of the biggest hurdles there is, you know, like you alluded to earlier, where, you know, if if this, the trainer's big enough, they can just get this all caught up in litigation and eventually it'll just go away. More or less pay their way out of it without paying their way out of it. Well, that's one thing that I, I've written about the Baffert situation many times. Right, I mean... And, and what, you know, I, I commonly use... Um, I said, you know, Bob uses lawyers as a battering ram to just break down the the wills of the racing commissions, and um, that's how that's how he's operated. And, and listen, that's how a lot of people of wealth in this country operate um, in everyday life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's well, that's that's why it's so crazy that there hasn't been a mention of anything since we got confirmation that the second split came back positive it's been radio silent on all fronts the kentucky racing commission just literally could not have done a worse job of communicating what's going on than they have they just literally couldn't have um well i don't understand what what stance they have in not being transparent as possible in this like what is it that they're trying to protect on their end other than legally i'd say but they were going to get sued anyway um so it's like well you know the inevitable was going to happen why not be transparent with the whole thing and and say hey this is where we're at you know a small statement it's not going to kill anybody to know you know, hey, we're we're working on this. We're at the final stages of, you know, the decision on whether to disqualify or not. Blah blah blah. Done. We'll see you at the next update. Well, they haven't said anything, and you know the way right. the process normally goes is the trainer is notified that he has a positive test. Um, he generally will uh, request a split sample. They'll send a sample somewhere. And it will almost always be confirmed. After it's confirmed, 
um, they call a hearing and, you know, you go in, you state your, your case, if you have one, um, you know, we gave the medication such and such day, or we don't know where it came from or, you know, whatever the reason is, um, generally the stewards will make a determination, um, of how many days you're going to get, or if you're going to get days at all. I mean, he didn't do any days for the gamine positive in the Kentucky Oaks, um, for whatever reason. And, and, and listen, it, it gets, who knows? You know, some of the, like I said, the common sense arguments don't always work because in some states, like what happens in other states isn't even like regarded. Um, Right, it's like, not like it's not like you got you went to a court, okay? If I went to a court in New York, and I had, uh, uh, you know, if I had robbed banks in Virginia, North Carolina, and I went to the court in New York for uh, robbing a bank, well, <laughs> that information will be used against me that, that I had done that in those other states. Well, in, in racing, it's not always so. So, uh, especially considering the positive is not actually a confirmed official positive until there's a ruling and and that's the case in, in, in uh, the Kentucky Derby case and here we are in October for a race that was held the first week in May and we don't even have a hearing <laughs> scheduled so the the foot dragging on this case and we keep getting told well it's because of uh, they're waiting for uh, not the split sample, but they're waiting for additional testing to see if this was given the, the, the manner which is given, which never seemed to be, uh, it doesn't seem to be part of the rule. There is no rule that says, oh, uh, it, it, it is only a positive if it comes up over this level, if you, you know, give it via injection versus orally or topically. So, I don't know what in the world it's taking so long for to get those results back. I, I don't know. I mean, it just seems. And I, I, and listen, like, again, admittedly, I don't really know. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not working for the commission. I've never worked for a commission. I, I don't know exactly what they're doing, what the reason is that they're haven't moved forward on this. I, I don't know. But. I have to say, and, and I'm sure you would agree, and I'm sure most people would agree, that the perception of the way they've handled this is that they've they bungled it. Um, and part of part of the reason might be because that's the picture that Baffert's lawyers are trying to produce. Um, but um, well, you know what I, I I think about it is like, you know, when there's an inquiry, Stewart's inquiry, and you know, your horses had had won the race and it just blinks and, and, and it gets over the time. You know, it's just like, you know, there's kind of a reasonable amount of time when it goes over that point. It's just like, oh, they're going to change it. <laughs> That's what this feels like. It's like, all right, we've been this long without any, you know, any kind of communication whatsoever. Like you said, it just seems like something went amiss somewhere. And it's not what we think it is. <laughs> it just it just seems like this is is bungled, right? We haven't even gotten, like I said, to the to the phase of um, 
where they have a hearing, where they make a judgment, and then he's going to appeal that judgment if it goes against him. So, like, the litigation has barely even started in this case. Well, that's why, you know, I kind of find it interesting that, you know, the what ifs, you know, what if Medina Spirit wins the British Club Classic? Then what? What do the jurisdictions do then? It's a good question. What if Medina Spirit wins the Breeders' Cup Classic and the other contenders run terrible? Um, you know, what do you do with the, what, what do you do? How, how do you judge his record? Because you have a Kentucky Derby that you know, has he, a star he, he, next he to may, it. He may or may not have won, and and if if he didn't win it, then his resume gets real thin. <laughs> And, and I'm not saying, listen, I think Essential Quality probably has three-year-olds wrapped up. And, I mean, there's probably no chance that Medina Spirit could win. I just don't think people will vote for him. You know, he's not going to get enough people to vote for him. I mean, Barry Bonds is clearly a Hall of Fame baseball player that no one's going to vote for because, or not no one, but a majority of guys aren't going to vote for him because of, of you know, they what don't. his perceived right. transgressions are. So, you know, people, people make their statements in different ways. Um, well, I mean, beyond the fans, I, I, I think it would put racing jurisdictions in a, in a really weird, bad position to where it's like, all right, well, we know what's going on with this. And this guy's just keeps running his horses and keeps winning races. You know, at what point, do they have to make a decision? I mean, I know Churchill has made their decision. Naira tried to make a decision. Well, Naira's still trying. Yeah. And of course, Naira had originally stated, and I guess this is still the case, that they were looking to not allow him to participate until the Kentucky uh, verdict had been reached. And Right, yeah. So it wasn't as though they were saying, yes, we're going to give you two years. We're going to, the Churchill said, we'll give you two years. You, you know, for two years, you're not allowed. Bang. They, you know, they put a number out there and uh, Naira didn't do that. So, I mean, you would think that, um, you would think that we would know a lot more than we know. Yeah. October. The same. And no one seems to know <laughs> And you know what? It's it's a little bit suspect, and this might just be paranoia creeping in. But the fact that a lot of these owners of Baffert's seem completely undaunted by the, um, by the fact that his horses are not going to be able to earn Derby points, and most of those guys are buying big colts. They can say all they want. The Kentucky Derby, the Kentucky Derby isn't. Uh, you know, we can live without it. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I, I have. I, I don't. I don't believe that. <laughs> and it's. It's. It may not just be the Kentucky Derby. Maybe the Kentucky and the Belmonts as well. And that that puts you know this that just the whole thing is just. It's up in the air. I mean, they left it out for this kind of thinking you know regardless of of you know whether it's right or wrong the door is open for this because there's no communication like you said there's no transparency here 
nobody knows what's going on. He's still basically doing whatever. And that's that. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of, you know, Naira, Naira has been pretty decent with the communication and they're kind of in litigation with it all still, but at least we know that you can't say that for Kentucky or their horse racing commission. No. And I mean, to their credit and, and listen, everybody, um, you know, everyone feels bad about Arlington situation and the way Churchill handled that was really egregiously bad, disgracefully bad in some cases, especially the actions of uh, the person in charge there on Arlington Million Day. But um, they've been very clear about this. They, they were very quick to put out um, on the day that the bizarre press conference was held. They, they before noon, they, they had already banned him. Uh, from running, and they've been very clear about their stance and the time frame, and you know, uh, they're not going to let single fans of Mr. Baffert's people that work for him or work under him take the horses to try to evade the uh, the sanctions. So, and I think that was one of the important things that Gulfstream did too. To go back to that, was that they're not going to let trainers just let their assistants be in charge and run the horses. If the assistants stay in charge of the horses, Nothing. They're, not, they're not allowed to run during the period of time which the trainer is suspended. Um, if they want to, if the owners have, and of course, this is the owner's choice. The owners can move the horses. Uh, I would hope that they wouldn't just let them move their horse for a week or two and then move it back because that's as unseemly as anything. But, um, I think that's that's a step in the right direction too, and uh, and and people have to understand that the logistics of of horses makes it difficult to move, a, a, especially a sizable stable. Um, and as a trainer, who wants to take another guy's horses for fifteen days? <laughs> Zero. Nobody. Nobody. You know, I mean, uh, hey, you got a couple horses who are going to be three to five in stakes. Yeah, we'll take them for fifteen days, but the. Very few of those horses would be moving. So it's just, um, you know, a lot of times for these shorter penalties, the logistics of moving all the horses are just uh, makes it impossible. But um, we're not impossible, but close to impossible. Right. It's, not, it's not like there's unlimited stall space in other places either. I mean, tracks probably have more stalls available than they did 15, 20 years ago, but um, it's not um, infinite. <laughs> no, it's not infinite, right? But uh, <clears throat> if the historical or the um, if the 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 Hissel law can do one thing, and that would be to make it where we didn't have to deal with um, so many different jurisdictions, and by we, I mean the participants of racing the fans of racing, the betters, the, everybody who is involved in racing in some way, shape, or form will know that these things are going to go to one place and, you know, it's, it's going to go in one place and they're going to make a decision and that's going to stick everywhere. And that, that's, that's beneficial. That, that'll help because the way it is now is just crazy. And, um, you know, it's just the way it is. It's it's it's, it's not easy to uh, it's 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 not an easy sport to regulate. Not just because of the vast differences 
and class of, of horses of, of monetary means. Um, you know, you have tracks in Kentucky that are giving away seven, eight hundred thousand in, in Kentucky Downs cases, a million dollars a day in purses. You have tracks out west that don't give out a million dollars in purses in a decade. Uh, the Great Grants Pass and my man Beanie here, uh, Bet Grants Pass, by the way, take a look at it. It's interesting, the very least. Streaks of life. What's that? The streak is over. The streak is over, but I tried to get another streak going again today. <laughs> um, all at one, by the way. <laughs> A new streak is back. Grants pass race number two. We had a winner. Five to two. Nice. Uh, but... Um, kind of lost my train of thought <laughs> it's weird I, I i've i've had such a unbelievably strike rate at, at grant's pass i'm like who knew right grant's <laughs> pass is the track that i've been waiting for my whole life everything i do there works it's crazy um and thank you beanie for alerting us to the the uh the splendor of grant's pass downs um but, you know, there's reasons, and, and, you know, we've probably talked enough about this, but there's a lot of reasons why racing regulation is so screwed up, and it's not all because of racing. A lot of it is because of government and funding and uh, political uh, nonsense and a lot of other things. But, uh, but in the end, the tracks have the power to fix a lot of these problems without having to go to regulatory bodies and have them do it. And if that's going to be the trend, then that's going to be beneficial. And I think one thing that people out there need to know that the vast majority of people in the game, and you're always going to get some people that have some sympathy for those that do wrong because they like them personally or they, oh, they donated money to me or they, um, you know, they're a good guy or I like this wife or, you know, there's always some kind of uh, reasoning why. And people forget that they are real people behind these names that they see. And a lot of them aren't quite as sinister as they may seem. They're not all Bond supervillains. So that's why they do get some support because, it's, it's not really right, but that's just the way it's human nature. Um, but that doesn't mean that um, they deserve it. And it doesn't mean that racing has come to a point where we've got to really you know, not screw this up anymore. And um, this is this is the way the tracks have got it. Because the, a lot of the stuff that's going on is because of the tracks. And that's all what it is. I mean, the tracks took their eye off the ball, especially when they started doing things other than just being racetracks and, and going into a lot of other areas. And uh, the racing part got away from them a little bit. And you know, the super trainer was created. The too big to fail barns were created. Uh, the middle class has kind of been, you know, eliminated, uh, and it shows. It shows on the everyday race cards, every single day of racing. Racing on a daily basis was way better 25 years ago, and before that, it was better 35 years ago. It just was. 
It just was. Um, and a lot of that is because of the tracks and, and their lack of aggression when dealing with issues when not really giving the people who bet on the races the proper respect that they should get to try to run a clean game, to run a game that uh, is competitive and, you know, we don't get a plethora of one to nine shots winning. Um, and it's, it's, it's heartening for me to see. I, I really have to say that uh, I didn't know that they, if the tracks ever were going to take a run at doing this and, you know, maybe they've done 10% of what they should do, but hey, that is better than it was, and hopefully it, it's a sign of more things to come. Amen to that. And on that note, um, we're kind of running out of uh, Breeders' Cup preps coming up, right? I mean, the ARC, by the way, the ARC was a 70 to 1 shot. German horse. I, I thought it was funny watching the coverage after that horse won. Um, the analysts were kind of stuttering to try to figure out. They just didn't have very much information on the jockey or the horse and uh, the the, uh, the the trainer. The trainer's only trained for a year and a half. So it's all downhill from there, Mr. Weiss. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, it was it was a really good race, but I, I was looking through the PPs and I was like, man. I've never seen a race where there's 15 horses and there was a scratch who wound up 14 grand. Every single horse was first or second or last race. I've never seen a race where where 15 out of 15 were first or second or last race. Everybody was coming off a first or a second place uh, finish. Need more of that. It's kind of, I just was going down and I, and I, I looked at all the horses and I was like, I don't think anybody ran bad last time, because that's why that's one of the things I always <laughs> do with the European races. I always look to see who ran bad, but is taking money, like because then there's might be a story behind it. Well, nobody ran bad; everybody won. They all ran one two. But uh, it was you know a good race. I guess we're gonna get a couple of the horses. I think Tarwana is is scheduled to come over. Um, at least it seemed like after the race. A German horse, I do not think, uh, as uh, something Tasso remind me of the old horse Wayne Lucas used to train. Oh man, Tasso just cup beat he was Stormcat. a good, good two year old, beat Stormcat that day. Good two year old, not good at an know, aqueduct, yeah. Uh, that was 1985, right? Beat Stormcat or Stormbird, no, Stormcat, Stormcat, yeah. Stormcat, Stormcat was by Stormbird, Stormbird raced in Europe. Yeah, Tasso's career and Stormcat's career kind of took two divergent Man, didn't from they? Just two different things after that race. You don't see too many Tassos. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I don't ever remember seeing any Tassos. I don't. I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's there's not a whole lot left. I mean, we have opening day weekend of Keeneland coming up. Uh, the the spinster is the cup the the mile um, the turf mile uh, a couple more uh, the phoenix um, some of the two year old turf races but uh, I think there's a turf sprint as well but um, this weekend is pretty much it for for Breeders Cup preps and then uh, we'll have a couple weeks of uh, you know we can 
totally overanalyze every single. Day. I was gonna say over analysis, <laughs> but it's fun. I love this time of year. Not it only is. because it's the British Cup, it's because it's my birthday. Well, what do you want for your birthday? Another $32,000 pick four. They're out there. You just got to find them. I can't give you one. I can't. If I I would if I had the ability. (laughs) We'll find one. We got one. Especially if uh, CZ Rocket comes through. Sizzle time, baby. You and Peter Miller are the only people rooting for CZ Rocket to win. That's right. And we'll be dancing on the ceiling like Lionel Richie. When it happens, you know I respect your your handicapping abilities greatly. However, <laughs> but I don't know what the hell is easy rocket, man. Okay, all right, man. We're getting this on wax. It's on here a few times too. Oh no, so. it, 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 this is a a um, you know you, you've made a statement on CZ's rocket. This is I this, did early. This I is set in it. stone. This is like uh, that's my the guy. Hieroglyphics in the cave, man. Like. Yeah, when, when uh, the Earth has been uninhabited for <laughs> a couple hundred thousand years, someone's going to go in and they're going to see, uh, they're going to get a copy of this and this podcast tonight, and they're going to try to look up CZ's rocket, and they're going to say to themselves, "Why what the though? hell was that guy thinking?" Yeah, why though? I'm telling you, man. Well. It was all a dream, you know, and I saw it happening, so I got to go with it. Well, we got Keeneland coming up, and we have, uh, uh, you know, like I said, the Breeders' Cup is just about a... Oh, a, Calder's coming up, right? Month. Well, the, 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 the gap in Calder. Gulfstream, we, we didn't even talk about the Gulfstream's... Uh, oh, the synthetic flamingo meat. Like, what were they thinking of with that? The flamingos are Hialeah. The Hialeah thing, that Gulfstream. I think Gulfstream got like two flamingos in the infield. They're both anemic looking. <laughs> they do? Yeah. They're like, they might they might even be like storks or cranes or something. I thought they were cranes. I don't know. Blue herons. The blue heron meat. <laughs> the blue heron meat. <laughs> <laughs> the great blue heron meat. Uh, yeah, um, I don't know. Those races look so slow. We need poles. <laughs> please, can we get? Can we please get uh, at least a finish so we could time the races? <laughs> finish line would be cool too. Um, I, I'm asking, I think poor Craig's brain is about to explode from having to deal with races that <laughs> that are not only hand time, but they're hand time with no, with no poles. <laughs> <laughs> they have cones. <laughs> <laughs> the cone, the great orange cone. The cones. Uh, we'll talk about this at some point beyond the Breeders' Cup, uh, but uh, I, I'm not a fan of the Poly Track. I'm not a fan of. I wish there was a way to predict, like why, what they would run race. I, I think one of the problems, that, and you know, I guess I'm not to get into it, but it's just numbers. It's not that I'm like, oh, well, you hate this. You No. No. There's a limited number of horses. There's a limited number of races. When you add a third surface, you're creating horses that like and hate the poly track. 
just like there's horses that like and hate the dirt, just like there's horses that like and hate two turns versus one turn, just like there's horses that like and hate the turf. And when you keep shrinking your total population, but you divide it up more, it's just making it more difficult to come up with good races. Um, if I have a horse, or you say we own a horse together, and a horse is terrible on the dirt, he's not bad on the turf, Loves run on the poly track and he runs great. Well, where are we going to want to run him? We're going to wait on the poly track, right? We're not going to want it. We're never going to run him on the dirt again. And we're not going to want to run him on the turf because he's a poly track horse. Well, what if you have a horse that's a good turf horse that doesn't really handle the dirt at all and, and is just mediocre on the poly? Well, what are you going to do? Wait. You're going to wait. And if you do run in the poly and you run fifth by 11 lengths or 15 lengths, then that, you'll say to yourself, that's the last time I'm ever going to do that. And right. you can't get the race to go. Um, or, you know, the turf gets too caught up because you only have X amount of ground now to, to use. And um, you don't have two turf courses. Essentially, you have one. Well, you might wind up losing that horse to another jurisdiction because they're not getting the race they want to get. It's just, the, in the end, it's just math. It's just math. And yes, um Handle will not suffer quite as bad when races come off the turf, but you're also not going to be racing as many turf races, which is a factor. Uh, if you're racing seven turf races a day, and now you're racing four turf races a day or three turf races a day, well, then the loss of those races is... Well, that's, that's, that's where I kind of get confused, is why would they even card anything on it unless it rains? Well, it's a fifteen million dollar track, and I know, but you, know, you got to use it. Yeah, so it's kind of weird the way, you know, like in the middle of the day, you have a couple of dirt races, you got a couple of poly races, you got a couple of turf races. It's strange, especially when the poly races look weird. They're just slow. They look slow. Um, I don't know. You're right. I mean, if you divide the divide, <laughs> you know, you divide everything twice you're gonna get less that's that's the problem i have with it and and it's 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 it, it everybody wants to have an opinion about things like everybody wants oh i like it or i, I don't like it and then if you have an opposite opinion they're like oh well you know you're stupid or you're closed-minded you're just uh, well the problem i had is just what i i said and it's not pro or it's not you know if i had a horse that ran good in the poly i'd love to run on the poly I've told I told people a long time ago I would go to like Iraq Downs if I if I could win a race over there, you know. <laughs> and the, the purse was was worth it. I'm not afraid to go and run anywhere on anything. It's just math. In the end, everything comes down to math. It's it's why um, guys that make poorly constructed tickets shouldn't get pissed off when people point out the mathematical issues with it because math is math math doesn't have feelings math doesn't have emotions there's super numbers it's 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 a numerical thing and especially when you're dealing with a limited population the population is not growing you need the population to grow and uh like i said we'll we'll, we'll do a deep dive we'll dive into that later yeah but as for now good luck betting them good luck with the figures Oof. Brutal. Good luck, with, good luck with pretty much everything. Brutal. 
So, well, I appreciate everyone listening. And, uh, and I do thank everyone that, that did read the piece that uh, I've gotten a lot of positive positive feedback and, and I do appreciate that and, and usually when I write something there's always a couple people that uh, you know don't appreciate it or don't agree or whatever but this time it was almost no one in fact the only ones that really didn't like it are the people whose names were in it <laughs> but that I can't be helped um, and like I said everything that was in there is a factual um, a factual piece of uh of of information that, that could be found at uh, other you know uh, reliable and accurate sources and just the way it is but um, yeah we're, we'll do more and uh, Barry and I'll get a couple more uh, lists and you know what uh, when we post this on Twitter on Facebook if you uh, you want to give your top nine, or top 10 or top let's five or whatever. Yeah, let's put it out there and uh, tell us why we're wrong because uh, tell us why we're right, whatever. Or maybe come up with a ninth horse. <laughs> yeah, if you that we don't know it, about yet. <laughs> you can come up with a solid number nine. I, we were going to do a top 10, and I was like, come on, man. Top 10. I, I couldn't find that. Once we got past seven, it got real, it got tricky. So, um, yeah, go ahead and uh, as always, going in circles podcast at gmail.com. Um, we're always available, and you can hit uh, Barry up on Twitter, you can hit me up on Twitter or Facebook if they ever get Facebook back up and running. Um, but uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you, and like I said, I do appreciate uh, I do appreciate the feedback, and um. You know, if you disagree, just say it and say what you don't agree with, because that's how things get moved forward by not by everybody, you know, walking in lockstep. But, uh, but yeah, anytime reach out and, uh, you know, we're always, we're always good to talk. So appreciate you listening today. I appreciate Barry giving his time and, uh, his lists (laughs) and, um, Maybe, maybe in the lead up to the Breeders' Cup, we'll get a, a psychiatrist on here to examine Barry's CZ Rocket um, prediction. Not an obsession, but he, he's uh, he's like infatuated with that horse. And you even have a future book on the horse, right? Yes, yes, I do. Yes. I mean, there you go, right there. I wonder if there'll be a rider change on that horse. Oy. Oh, I've been I've been lobbying for that. Unfortunately, I, I, I should I should nag you out. Let's <laughs> just end the show. <laughs> yeah, before I get myself in trouble. <laughs> you know, I was going to come roll and win the race, and you're going to take you're, you're going to take the all time um, <laughs> red carpet walk, man. <laughs> oh man, if CZ Rocket wins, bro. You'd be doing like the triple crip walk right to the winner circle. Oh man, just Twitter, <laughs> Twitter videos all day. Uh, all right, no matter who wins the other races. <laughs> oh god, I'm gonna I'm gonna knock that horse right into the winner circle. <laughs> Please do, sir. 
right. Well, again, thanks for listening, and uh, and we'll, uh, we'll we'll talk to you guys next week. Pleasant Acre Farms, located just outside Ocala, Florida, is a full-service commercial breeding operation that has one of the top stallion rosters in the Sunshine State. Standing 10 horses, including sons of top sires such as Curlin, Harlan's Holiday, Unbridled Song, Scat Daddy, Canthros, and Twirling Candy, you'll be sure to find a great match for your mare at Pleasant Acres. Owned and operated by consummate professionals, Joe and Helen Barbazon, they provide clients with world-class services in all facets of the thoroughbred industry. Their commitment to quality is what allows Pleasant Acre Farms to pursue their passion for breeding champions. Check out their website at pleasantacrestallions.com or call 352-528-2885. Pleasant Acre Farms. Hey everyone, thank you for listening to the Going in Circles Big Monday show. I wanted to let you know that we have a weekly newsletter that you can subscribe to for free, the Going in Circles Digest. It's a, kind of a combination newsletter, stakes preview. Um, we have some uh, restaurant reviews on there, and various topics, but uh, we also have a couple um, pieces about various uh, industry topics or racing history. This last week we did a piece on the great Arazi and his spectacular move in the 1991 Breeders' Cup Juvenile, which unfortunately was the, the pinnacle of his career. But um, it's a free subscription. Go to goingincirclesdigest.substack.com and check it out. All right, the Going in Circles Digest. Thanks for listening.